Pastor Xavier Reese and the truth about those who refuse the Savior. Let me clear up some of your theology. Satan is not king of hell. Jesus is. Only Jesus has the power to cast people into Gehenna or the lake of fire. Luke 12, 5 says that. In fact, the lake of fire was created for no one but Satan and his angels, Matthew 25, 41. Never for one man, never for woman. They will be there because they rejected Jesus Christ. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. There's no doubt we're living longer today than ever, and that's because science and medicine have done wonders in extending life. But what happens when you do finally leave this earth? Today, Pastor Xavier presents the somber truth that there is accountability for those who have chosen to live their life apart from the grace of God. Let's join him for today's important Bible study. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 19. The message is entitled, There is Life After Death. Let me read verse 19. Your dead shall live together with my dead body. They shall arise, awake, and sing, you who dwell in the dust. For your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. In this verse... First of all, we want to see the proclamation of the resurrection here of the prophet. Then secondly, the interpretation of the resurrection. And then thirdly, the application of the resurrection. And as we move through this, I hope that you understand what happens when you die. That you understand death and life after death. Notice, first of all, the particular context of the chapter is the reign of Jesus during the millennial kingdom. This is very important. The phrase in that day is used in the book, as we've seen, for the day of the Lord in Isaiah 2. And that includes the tribulation, great tribulation, but then it's also used for the thousand-year reign. So the context is important. Is the context describing the great tribulation, that section, or is it describing the millennial kingdom? So that's an important question. Now the keynote of the judgment of the entire world, as we see through these four chapters, will result in the righteous breaking out in singing and rejoicing. Because everybody's looking for that day. We pray it. Your kingdom come. And when that day comes, you're looking for your party, your birthday party. or your When it comes, man, you are excited. You celebrate it. In fact, these four chapters give us songs during that thousand-year reign, the rejoicing of it. Now, notice, secondly, the promise of resurrection was to the obedient. He's talking to the people of God, those who he's calling to faith. The prophet declares, your dead shall live. The prophet is speaking to the people of God. The prophet is attempting to exhort and comfort the righteous men and women in the midst of a difficult crisis. You and I do that to our children. Or if you have children, you still do it. He says, no, no, don't be scared. You understand? Don't, I'm here. You, you, I'm here, okay? And this is what the prophet's doing. This is the proclamation of the resurrection. Now, let's secondly look at the interpretation of the resurrection here. The literal wording is as follows. Your dead will live. Their bodies will arise. The repetition is a double assurance to those Listening. Secondly, notice 
the point of contrast. First of all, the contrast between the dead who know not God and will not live with him. Look at verse, 20, verse 14 of chapter 26. They are dead. They will not live. They are deceased. They will not arise. Therefore, you have punished and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. Now, he's making a distinction between those who have died in faith in God and those who have not. Both will live after death eternally. One with God, the other one apart from God. So you must read it in its context. They are contrasts that are going on here. Now the singing speaks of rejoicing and praising in celebration of the event in the millennial kingdom, in the kingdom age. In these four chapters, we have some songs that are given to us, rejoicing. Now, the dual verbs represents God's power to raise the dead. Even as dew upon a plant, so it's nourished, water. Even as the sunlight, the plant being sensitive to it, to receive the fullness of life. Who is the dew representative of? God. God's the one that's going to do this. So like dew on a plant, God will do the work. Like sun on a plant, God will do the work. He's the one that imparts life. Jesus said, I give life to all those who are dead, right? I'm the resurrection of the life. The course of 87-year-old James Bryce of Oshawa, Ontario, laid in his bedroom for over one year while his 62-year-old son lived in the same house. The son, Douglas, told police his father died and he could not bear to part with his father after death. It is amazing how people respond to death because of their ignorance about death and life after death. And today we, we, we should be tolerant. And, and nobody's wrong and everybody has the right to their opinion and that's true. But it, it doesn't mean that we can't give the truth about ignorance. It doesn't mean that, we, well, you know, you're kind of right and, you know, we're all kind of right and you're right and you're okay and I'm okay. We're all okay. No. The world's going to hell in a handbasket real fast. And it's our responsibility to communicate that lovingly and clearly and distinctly. The oldest book of the Bible records for us the knowledge of the future resurrection, which is the book of Job. So the Old Testament saints all knew about it, but it was simple. Life now, physical death, and eternal life afterwards. Real simple. No great detail is given. Listen to Job 19, 26, and 27. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Job was looking forward to the resurrection. He was certain of it. Are you? Or are you saying, well, you know, we really can't know until we get there. Listen, that's a bad time to know. The point of contrast both literal and figurative, were very well established through the Old Testament. You remember the prophet Daniel? Listen to what God says to Daniel, the last chapter, 12, verse 1 and 3. At that time, Michael shall stand up, speaking of the last days, great tribulation. The great prince who stands watches over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. 
And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness shall be like the stars forever and ever. This, was, this is the interpretation of the resurrection here in, in, in Isaiah. Every person who believed in God knew that they would come to a point of physical death, but they would live on with God. They knew that every person who lived in this life in their own sin and not with God, they would die and they would equally live on eternally, but not with God. They understood that. Now, we want to finish up with the application because those are general things, and that's okay, and that would be sufficient. We wouldn't need anything else. But the New Testament gives us much more light. First of all, the resurrection of Christ was the short-term fulfillment of Isaiah's proclamation. Jot down Matthew 27, verse 50 through 54. And just listen to what I'm going to share with you. The physical bodies of many came out of the grave and were seen in the streets of Jerusalem in this passage. The time was on the cross. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up the spirit, verse 50 says. The end of the Old Testament sacrifice were over, evident by the event that took place in the temple. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. Verse 51. No longer would God offer or accept sacrifice. No longer would only be the high priest in the Holy of Holies. The veil was rent by the flesh of Christ, and now every person could come before the throne of God through the person of Jesus Christ. It was terminated. The time of the resurrection had commenced by the event that took place in the cemetery. Listen. And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints were, who had fallen asleep were raised, verse 52 says. The event was witnessed by many. Verse 53 says, and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, Christ, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When this took place, people out of the grave in Jerusalem got up and walked around the streets of Jerusalem. And many people saw them. The result was faith in God. Verse 54 says, So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. So the short-term fulfillment was the graves were opened in Jerusalem and many were seen walking around in their physical bodies in Jerusalem. Kind of mind-blowing, huh? Hey, Uncle Festus, how you doing? <laughs> Where you been? <laughs> hmm. This resurrection was the evidence of the first fruits of those who slept in the dust, according to Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 26. Paul says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. First fruit means this is the evidence of what will follow. This is like a down payment. Verse 21, Paul reminds the reader how death entered in. For sin by by man came death. By man also came the resurrection of the dead. Man Adam, the last Adam, Jesus Christ. Verse 22, 
Paul equally reminds them of the last Adam, Jesus' work. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. And then Paul points out in verse 23, But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. So there's an order of raising, right? Christ, then the firstfruits, and then those in their order. What order? When you die. You can't be raised before you die. You can't be with God before you die. In a sense that you're out of this body. And so Paul affirms the reign of death over man now. But then he says in verse 24 and 26, then comes the end. When he delivers, he God, the kingdom of God, the Father. When he puts an end to all, Rule and authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed, listen, is death. Death will be with us till the end of the thousand year reign. We've made that point. Paul confirms it again here. Nothing new. Now, the second thing I want you to notice, the dissension and ascension of Jesus Christ into Hades was a transition for the ultimate fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. There had to be a transition. Now, the Old Testament describes the place of the dead as Sheol, S-H-E-O-L, Sheol in the Old Testament. This was the world of the dead, the departed spirits of the righteous and the wicked. No distinction was made. Just the dead went to Sheol. That's the Old Testament, Sheol. The New Testament describes a place after death as Hades, H-A-D-E-S. Hades in the Greek means the place of the unseen departed ones, okay? Or the place, again, like the Old Testament, departed spirits. It's equivalent to the word Sheol of the Old Testament. It appears 11 times in the New Testament, and it's referred to by Jesus Christ. He uses the same word, Okay? Now, the condition of the dead before the cross is explained in the Gospel of Luke. Just jot it down, chapter 16, verse 19 through 31. The account is when Jesus gives the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the poor man, the beggar, okay? Hades, he tells us, was a place that was divided in two compartments. The place of comfort, the place of torment, okay? As you know, there was a clear division, a gulf fixed between the two. Verse 26 of that chapter tells us. There's no such thing as limbo, no such thing as purgatory, no such thing as taking a spiritual nap. You know, either you're before God or you're not. And prior to the cross, you were in torment or in the place of comfort. The plea for someone to return from Hades by the rich man is very, very clear. To warn those that lest they come to the same place. The important thing to note here is he had consciousness after death. He remembered his opportunities. He remembered he had brothers. He remembered they thought just like him. He knew they'd be just where he is unless they were warned. Hades can only be avoided by paying heed to the scriptures and the words of Jesus, the one who came back from the dead. Nobody else. Very, very clear. The dead who die in faith and who died before the cross and the resurrection of Christ went to that place of comfort. 
Those who died in their sin were in the place of torment. Now, 1 Peter 3.19 tells us that Jesus descended to the lower parts of Hades, and he preached to the prisoners there. Ephesians 4, 8, and 9 says that he also not only descended, but he ascended up on high and gave gifts to men. In fact, Colossians 2.14 says that Jesus spoiled principality and powers, and he robbed all those who were held there in faith, and the spirits of demons could not stop him. In other words, he emptied the place of comfort, paradise, the bosom of the Father, and he took men to heaven. So what you have in Sheol or Hades now after the resurrection of Christ is only the wicked in torment, those who die in their sin. While those who die in faith in Jesus Christ now go directly before the Lord. Second Corinthians 5, 1 through 8, Paul says, The minute you die, you are instantly present before the Lord. What did Jesus Christ say to the man on the cross, the thief? Today, you will be with me in paradise. So another name for the bosom of the Father, that place of comfort, was paradise. And when Jesus descended, the thief on the cross was with him. Both of them were. One went to torment, the other to comfort. Jesus preached to them, scooped them up, and he took them now to paradise, which is the third heaven. Because in 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4, he uses third heaven and paradise synonymous, where God dwells. So as I said, the minute you die, if you're a Christian, you're instantly present before the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. Once again, there's a distinction between those who live in faith and die in faith and those who live apart from faith and die apart from faith, right? Very clear. Now, the third thing is, in application, the return of Jesus will be the long-term fulfillment of Isaiah's proclamation. The Lord will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 on down to 18. He gives you the whole section there. Now, those who have died will return with Jesus. We will be harpazzled, raptured, violently snatched up, translated in a geographical location from the earth to the clouds. And we will see our loved ones in the air, be with them in the Lord, and be with them forever. Very, very clear. This is the great comfort. Paul says, comfort one another with these words, verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians 4. They were afraid that the dead ones were going to miss out on the Lord's coming. Paul says, you dummies, what's the matter with you? Didn't I tell you these things when I was with you? If you believe that Jesus died and rose again, so will he bring back those who have died in Christ. And then we which are alive and remain to the second coming of the Lord shall be caught up together with the Lord. And the voice of the archangel, boom, 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 pow, we're there. He's not comforting one another with these words. Now, the apostle Paul reminds the Corinthians about the same event, but he describes it a little different from a different perspective, but it's the same. In 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58, listen. The principle is this. Now this I say to you, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Verse 50. Verse 51 and 2, the promise. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, the twinkling of the eye at the last trump, for the trump will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised and corrupted, and we shall be changed. The transitional victory Listen, verse 53 and 4. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the same which is written, death is swallowed up in victory. He's saying the same thing. The person who brought this victory 
is no one but Jesus. Listen to him in verse 55 and 7. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thank be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the exhortation. Therefore, conclusion. My beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There's the key, in the Lord. Are you in Christ? Have you been born again? If you're born again and you die, you die in Christ, you'll be with him. If you die apart from Christ, you'll never see him. And you will be in instant torment. Very clear in scripture. Very clear. Now thirdly, the end of the kingdom will be the ultimate fulfillment of Isaiah's proclamation. We've implied it, now we're going to nail it. The white throne judgment appears in Revelation 20, verse 11 on down. This is at the end. You have a thousand year reign, the white throne judgment for all who have rejected Christ. The small and the great will stand before God. The books will be open, as well as the book of life, in order that the dead be judged according to the works by the things written in the books. Revelation 20, verse 12. Verse 14, death and Hades will be cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Anyone not found written in the book of life are cast into the lake of fire. Verse 15 of Revelation 20 says, Only Jesus has the power to cast people into Gehenna or the lake of fire. Luke 12, 5 says that. Let me clear up some of your theology. Satan is not king of hell. Jesus is. In fact, the lake of fire was created for no one but Satan and his angels. Matthew 25, 41. Never for one man. Never for woman. woman. They will be there because they rejected Jesus Christ. Now after that, the new heaven and the new earth will follow. Revelation 21 tells us that. Now I saw a heaven, a new heaven, a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then John, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from the earth, from the eye. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Why not no more of all this? Because this is the end of the white throne judgment, the new heaven, the new earth. That's when it's fulfilled. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write for these words, listen, are true and faithful. You can count on them. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountains of the waters of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But... The cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexual immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their place in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Man. So the prophet Isaiah has given to us a promise of the resurrection from the dead in the midst of the kingdom's song. The proclamation of resurrection. It will happen. The interpretation of resurrection is that it'll be with God or apart from God. And the application of the resurrection is that it is clearly laid out in the New Testament in detail. The ultimate judgment of the non-believers at the end of the thousand years. 
And it's not for a second chance, not for a second opportunity. It's only for sentencing in the lake of fire. Hmm. May God use us to pull many out of the fire, even as Jude says. Pastor Xavier Reese with a somber reminder that there's only a one-way ticket to hell and that we have a responsibility to point to the truth of the Savior. Today's message is available for only $4. Just ask for the message, There is Life After Death. We can send you a copy on CD. And by the way, this also includes what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is, There is Life After Death, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This helps us monitor the impact of this outreach in your area. What's the big deal with a little drinking? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 